Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. By the way, my extreme tiredness due to not being used to insomnia is going to result in either me not talking at all uh-huh. or me only talking over people. So buckle and up. And that's my excuse for what I would do normally. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like quite a range, too. It's she way does too much have the range. Or not enough. Yes. <laughs> what a diverse woman she is. Go on. <laughs> If you were like a guest star on Star Trek or co-star, I should say, guest star is what these people were. Mm. Um, like, would you? And you were like supposed to be an alien. Would you rather be like the am ambassador, the sovereign type, with a little bit more regal flair, or would you rather be like the scavenger folk who like get aware of the semi biker gang looking material? I think we all know the answer to this. I think I know what you're gonna say, but I just want to hear it. As I rip the iPad out of your hands. Yeah. I think you'll know I identify with the gatherers. Right. <laughs> what an ironic nickname. But I will say, as soon as I saw Utah and like her whole storyline, she seems like a very Becca character. Like I could see you playing that character very well. Stop. Mm. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was the <laughs> statement. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's where I will end. I just realized... Utah, unless you pronounce it very articulately, it sounds like the state of Utah. Utah. Yeah. When uh, the Sovereign first called her out, I was like, oh, is Utah? this a cowgirl we got coming mm-hmm. over here? Yeehaw, it's Utah. I like to watch everything with subtitles right. so that I know how things are spelled. Yes, same. It's mm. very important for me. Mm-hmm. Especially mm. sci-fi. I find myself getting visually pulled down to the subtitles for too long, and I miss I miss like a little bit of the scenery or certain details that I have been able to pull out. I also like do that when I'm watching or when I'm like writing notes. I'm like I need to actually pay attention to things because mm. I really enjoy the set design on this show, and I want to like keep an eye on that and not miss out. You're not wrong, mm-hmm. but once you're in the subtitles game, it's hard, it's to, hard to leave. Yeah, it's hard to turn them off because <laughs> you catch <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> Can't get anything past me, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> we should actually intro this episode. It's the Vengeance Factor. <sighs> the crew of the Enterprise negotiates the reunification of a divided species, but the potential for peace is threatened by a murder. By a uh, Utah. Utah murder. I'm very complimented that you said that I could play this type of character motivated solely by vengeance and nothing else. And (laughs) now that you say that, I realize that the character I've created for my brand new D&D campaign, Uh shout out to Black Dice Society, starting uh, a week from uh, on April 1st. And... She's all about vengeance. Mm. She's also, she's playing a pretty long deceptive game, yeah. right? Not only long in terms of the years she's been pulling this off, <laughs> but uh, like uh, in terms of like she's very different in her personality than she is in her mission. So mm-hmm. she's ha- she has this very meek character, which I would say, Becca, is not a word I would ever use to describe you. So like that's a good deceptive role for you to try and take if you were to enact your plan of uh, vengeance, mm. justice. She says justice, which I think is... In her eyes, what she's doing. Right. But Do you pe- know for a fact that I'm not <laughs> enacting a long-term plan of vengeance? 
oh, so in real life, your mission is a meek one, and so you've been aggressive in life the whole time? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that makes more sense. Just don't touch Actually, my face. Actually, that feels right. <laughs> yeah. D- yeah. Oh, uh, gosh. I like this episode. It was a I like good Utah. episode. Mm-hmm. This has, like, been, like, four for four, right? Mm. Like, the past few episodes have been all really good. And I feel yeah. like you can see that they're putting money towards, like, the sets and the... Uh, it felt like a world that was built uh, for this episode. Oh, Several you mean worlds. the world of the 1980s New York set of Rent? I love it. I <laughs> love it so much. 9,025,000. That's word for word the song. <laughs> Watch out. We're going to get struck with DMCA takedowns here. <laughs> I know, because I'm always on, on key. Yeah. And math. <laughs> um, well, I won't say it's a perfectly constructed episode, nor that there's multiple plot lines that converge in the way that they have been doing for season three that we've been impressed by. It didn't have all that because right. the gatherers are very one dimensional. We steal things and we have bumpy faces. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, well, they did want to fight. Like, I, I saw a little bit more of them in the negotiation scenes when they were like saying, you know, we want autonomy and stuff, but they had a different philosophy of like, if we have to survive, we do what it what it takes to survive, and that's how it goes. And yeah, it was a simple philosophy for sure. But we we saw that they came from a different place. I do like that they did sort of acknowledge it with the screen time with Wesley, and that in Wesley's understanding of them, we come to understand them a little bit too. Of like, oh, it's just their way of expressing themselves, or it's how you know they live. I saw a real big parallel and through line to the divide in America right now. And these are, you know, the anti-PC culture kind of dudes, let's say, to put it nicely. And, you know, seeing them as sort of these, these villains in a way just because their behavior is so uncouth. And in that scene you mentioned with Wesley, Wesley gives a look that is so condescending Mm -hmm. that I think is a lot of that elite versus regular person uh, contrast being embodied in just a look. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, and also completely understanding wanting to exile all those people from the planet. And, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So there you go. Akamar, I get you. <laughs> Except for the attempt at reunification that's happening all throughout this episode, right? All like- Picard's choosing. Maruk was like, hey, do you want to go kill them for us? Please. <laughs> And he's like, hold on. That's a good point. Yeah. Is like, yeah, she wasn't really uh, wanting to negotiate. He, she had to be talked into it. I, I forgot about that. Fact. Well, You're let's right. zoom out. Akamar 3 is mm. the planet that has this problem with their exiles yes. who have been for 100 years off planet just raiding and pillaging and stealing weapons and murdering people. The show, The Cold Open, is on a ship that there's just non-human blood and there's bodies Hmm. on this ship with stolen stuff. This opening scene made me write down the note, I want to do a Star Trek escape room. How fun would that be? And like, hold on, this is my million dollar idea. You go in there and You're giving it away for free to patrons. Like, you're in your uniform and you have an app on your phone that's like the tricorder and you scan QR codes and you can like put clues together. Oh my God, let's do it. Sander, make it. Ooh, the tricorder. Make right? like that. Anyway. That's really good. <laughs> that first, that open, you know, here's the thing about that teaser. I didn't count the lines, but I think there were less than 10 lines in that whole teaser. It was very action oriented. There was, a, well, there was just a few times within the script where they didn't 
say more than they needed to, which mm-hmm. I felt like they did a lot in the first two seasons. And uh, I'll try and find other examples as we go through. But like there was a lot of Spartan speaking and also just like it sh- you you saw what was happening and we got to kind of explore visually for real quick. And it was also a quick teaser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was too busy looking for subtitles that weren't there. So I missed all of that. <laughs> the uh, fun fact, the little the background uh, matte painting uh, in the opening shot there, that kind of green planet space, that's actually a... A background painting from the 1956 movie *The Forbidden Planet*. Oh, that's cool. It. Yeah, one of the uh, I think one of the production designers saw it in the catalog. Is like, we just need to get this on set, and they're like, okay, but it has to make sense why it's on there. They're like, right. okay, we'll, we'll wait until there's an episode that works. I will say that because this is another one where we have two alien species like having their civil war. It's so mm. nice that they went with like face bumps and things and not stereotypical accents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and like and like just a, a makeup choice that was different with like the uh, I don't know if it was an insignia on the sides of their faces like the it looked the, like the, a the horizontal side blue burns, tattoo. Oh no! Tattoo? Well, the um the cheekbones on the on the other one, not the bumps. Well, that's the thing is like didn't didn't um did Utah Utah only have one and the Sovereign had two? Did I, am I misremembering? I think that? they were just on opposite sides. They had these blue oh. cheekbone accentuators. Yeah. But then the the exiled gatherers had bumpy faces. Right. And uh, is that like what happens if you don't have a homeland for too long? You just start to get weird skin <laughs> conditions. Or uh, I thought that they, even though they're all from warring clans, it seems like a mix of clans make up both the people on the planet and the the gatherers. So why don't they have the same I mean, I guess not. I all think it's a culture thing as opposed to a racial or species thing. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's the culture that stayed there has that kind of look. And I don't, th- I don't know if it's a, a physical thing. I'm not sure, but obviously, with the the scavengers being all scar ridden, right? Because that's they yeah, took, well, them, they took more, them off, right? More of scars and like tattoos rather than a naturally occurring thing. They looked like. Um, What's it called when when your ear gets injured and it has the buildup of like a calcium, cartilage, like scars. cartilage, yeah. You know, of all the self-inflicted wounds, these bumps not the most attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you know, shout out. Not that not that acne can't be beautiful, but this is like really seems. It does seem like it was on purpose because right. they all had it in kind of like one splotch. You could uh, probably some sort of mark of honor or, you know, adulthood or something like that. Yeah, it looked like assume. a branding. I mean, right. acne isn't a, a mark of adulthood. I think That's that true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, you know what? Now that I'm looking at it, you're, I think I think you're right, Becca, is like they the, they removed them by like burning them oh. off. That's what those scars are. Is, and they the also burned spot. up their own forehead. You see that in uh, oh. Brawl, is that his name? The the kind of uh, denying the their roots do. by burning them off. I see. Wow, that makes more sense. I didn't notice that until we've just got in this discussion. Yeah, me neither. That's okay, a cool good layer. Detail. Yeah, the detail, but maybe could have been more visually clear because they seemed like they were on different parts of the cheeks. Especially for a show like Star Trek, which is so known. Like you said, Jake, they're focusing more on showing rather than telling. Whereas in the past, they've been known to tell rather than show. Mm-hmm. I feel in a past episode they would have had a scene where they explain that they yeah. burnt off the scars because I don't want to remember. But you know what? They didn't do that at all. They right. just had it, and then right. it took us having this revelation uh, a couple hours after cool. we watched the show. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> reflection because we earned it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you think that Maruk was wearing a banana costume? <laughs> 
She looked like a banana. I wasn't going to say banana, although she did have like this um, part of her robe or whatever it is that she wore has like uh, an extra layer of fabric that only goes over one half of her mm. chest, which made it look Pageant like. Pageant sash. Yeah. Is that what? <laughs> I almost asked you if that's what it was called. Well. <laughs> uh, but it made it look like her torso was larger on one side than the other. I thought that ah. was a little lopsided. Yeah, well, she reminds me a lot of the DSI character Kai Wen, which you meet later on. It's a very regal Bajoran who wears a lot of outfits that are similar, and she's not the greatest. <laughs> which is not Maruk's fault, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see. The The Enterprise goes to, after seeing like this Federation outpost has been hit by these gatherers, they, they pick up the sovereign of their... Um, of the civilization and says, we're going to go find the scavengers and we're going to talk to them. But first, hold on. I need my cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> need my cook and food taster. Right. Uh, but we, we go and we find the gatherers uh, on their planet uh, right thereafter. Right. And that's the, the nineties uh, rent set that you mentioned, which was really actually pretty cool for, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was impressed by it. I was like, Oh, this is like three dimensional. Yeah. Too. They it's went and not climbed in it. Yeah. There's a lot of shots from up above looking down, down looking up. Uh, they had a Worf done that gets a much. zinger line after they have a confrontation. Worf also totally missed that f- like joint phaser shot. They're like, okay, we're setting it to a certain frequency, and then we're going to aim it at this one thing, and Worf's shot is like way off. <laughs> so here's my – I was actually thought that was another example of showing, not telling, where oh. they didn't tell Worf to, to um, provide cover fire for what they were doing. So they all expose themselves to shoot at the at metal alloy, right? Uh-huh. While Worf shoots at them so they can't fire down at them. I just thought they didn't he overly missed. coordinate that plan. And that's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you thought Worf was just all over the place yeah, shooting I was like, the movie. Gosh, maybe we should turn bad. off our subtitles. <laughs> the yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like we do miss some of those things with that. Yeah. And I also noticed like Riker didn't over explain the plan. He yeah. asked like what the, what the temperature was of the metal that would that would melt, right? Mm-hmm. And Data provides it and Jordy's like Seven, uh, setting seven should do it right and then they just go for it like this this is also cool because it sets up for a moment later which we evaluate phaser settings and things like that <laughs> oh my gosh oh my that gosh was crazy yeah we'll get there mm-hmm. um so Wait, what was that did i watch that scene you were probably it's looking at the, at the subtitles you'll see okay. uh the, <laughs> the so we do a clever little trick where we pretend we're beaming out but in reality we never beamed out yeah, you another didn't hear the noise. tricky didn't over explain the plan moment. Mm-hmm. It just and also we didn't like revel in it later. We just let it happen. And it then was cool. It. Uh, as Becca mentioned, uh, Worf gets a a zinger on the poor fellow who he ambushes. Your I- ambush would have worked better if you bathed more. <laughs> <laughs> so close to like succinct too but he's just like two or three more words like words yeah. longer than it needs to be the bathing that you did not do let me in on the fact that your stench got in your way of your ambush perhaps a lavender scent next time wouldn't have given you away uh, now work um, is a villain <laughs> So then uh, we like we start to negotiate with these um, these two halves of the civilization, right? And during those negotiations, Utah, who we learn is just oh, I guess we haven't learned about her yet, right? Let's not see, really what's the order of this. We we haven't we've learned who she is because Riker introduced himself to her. We right? test the the food maker, the and replicator. Riker right, right, right. instantly horny on Maine, like yeah, out Would of the you gate. Know- we haven't gotten enough horny on main Riker lately. Season three especially, they were like, maybe we should slow down with him trying to sex everyone who comes on board. But 
We're back at it back. in episode nine. <laughs> Don't worry. I do like that he didn't like lead into like smooth talking so much as genuinely asking her what she's good at. Like that was a that was more of a connection moment. He's being a good ambassador as well as like trying to make a particular connection. Hmm. Well, yeah, he's obvious as later stated in the episode. <laughs> yeah. But I am here for the very forthright obviousness he's going for Mm -hmm. he's really stepped up his game that's the actor (laughs) as well as the writing staff that's like yes yes of course Riker wants to fuck everyone and everything but maybe that need to fuck is coming from the heart there we go let's try that yeah Riker's horny on the inside too yeah and he's horny on his main artery yeah oh nice Dina Troy comes in later as the wing woman yeah she does that out she's like I know we're fuck buddies but like I see what's happening here and I'll look you up she could feel it I was I wrote down yeah she could feel it and I wrote down like Riker almost got the group sex he was looking for so close (laughs) not yet not so ready. close. <laughs> and Deanna winks on her way out, like, this yeah. one's not for me, but keep asking. <laughs> My communicator's still on. <laughs> ah. So we find out that Utah, however, is uh, a little more than she seems and bum, bum, corners bum. one of the scavengers and kills him just by touching him in the face. In the Ugh. face. I loved it. I loved it. There was a clear moment when she. She smiled at him, and you didn't know if it was flirtation and like, hey, our families are, uh, you know, friends. Right. And then she follows him with this de- devious smile and smirk, and she's like, oh, I'm getting what I came for. <laughs> and that's where I said, ooh, Becca would be good at this part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Switching on a dime, me and Yuta. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is what I was asking in the beginning of the episode, too, of like, you know, we should be looking for the roles that we would do if we were in if we were actors in the late 80s, early 90s. And like, mm. I do think this would be a good Becca role. Mm-hmm. Go on. <laughs> I thought for a moment before we saw the murder, I thought she might be a sympathizer of the gatherers mm. and be a- about to help them with mm. their negotiations from the other side. Mm. And then quite the opposite was true. Yeah. Well, now, it, this is when we also see when the man of clan Lornak that was killed mm, recognizes her and mm, says, how is it possible you haven't aged? The thing that this episode glosses over and they could tell a little more on would be how she's like, oh, yeah, my people decided I just wasn't going to age anymore. So right. that's what happened there. You Like you can make an extrapolation. It's because she has this like disease passing thing that it has that side effect or something like it's science magic. Yeah. But tell me more magic words. Yeah. Tell me more techno babble of the science magic. I feel like they saw an episode of Homicide or Law and Order or something where they used a photograph and saw someone in the background. They're like, we could do that on our show, too. Yeah. And yeah. So, describe like, that, please. That's yeah. That's the that's what we want to do for this episode so we're just gonna make that the clincher like it wasn't enough like we knew the mystery already we knew she was a bad like she was an assassin we learned Mm -hmm. that in act two so Mm -hmm. like there was no mystery for us it was watching the crew of the enterprise figure it out and i will say i really appreciated how for people who haven't rewatched can we explain what you're talking about Oh, well, you, so, okay, yeah, so if you haven't rewatched and are listening to this, then we, we, we find out after we learn what Utah has done that she is 
uh, much older than she seems because she's caught in a photograph where another one of these members of the uh, same clan had died recently, and she was in the background looking the same. Age. But that Enhance, was 50 years ago. Take this ago. corner of an eyebrow, enhance, <laughs> recreate the rest of the base. face. Yeah. yeah. If I know one eyebrow, me as a computer, I can extrapolate the rest of anybody's face. <laughs> For sure. And then use it yeah. as hard evidence that that's definitely that Yeah, person. that's the other thing. It's like, oh, she hasn't aged a day. It's like, well, maybe the computer's making some assumptions, yeah. y'all. Yeah, uh, based on people who are on board and has the DNA structure for. I would like yeah. it if the computer is always making shortcuts just to like get things moving. It's like it's this woman, go deal with it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, maybe but, the computer's out for revenge. Oh. Mm. Um, I will say that from this point, I like where they went with it because it it had a tendency to have gone into predictable territory. Uh, they called Crusher down. I have a note. Crusher is awesome. She's amazing. Uh, She's just awesome. She comes down and they have a like civilized discussion with the gatherers of like, well, he was old. It was cardiac arrest. These things happen. And I was like in old or in like season one or season two of next gen, it would have been instant like. Well, there's conflict now, and now we're going to our ships, we're and now war. we're at war. Yeah, and they didn't yeah. do that. I yeah. thought that was a nice switch, and mm-hmm. you know, there was some um, talking reasonably with everybody. Yeah, it was nice that she could be Crusher the detective in the background yeah. without that becoming the A plot. Right. Mm-hmm. It was a good way to do a B plot without there being a distinct, like, she's not a part of it. Yeah, it's yeah, another thing to remember that these characters like have their own episodes where they they are in every act and they're doing a lot of things. And there's also episodes where they're in two acts and they're providing exposition, but also like having to add to the scene. So, I, yeah. yeah, Gates did a great job on that. Mm-hmm. She's very pointed, very direct. She knows what her goal is in the scene. It's uh, she's a great actor. Yes. Uh, another great actor is Utah of Clan Trelesta. There it is. So I just want to shout out the Trelestas if they were going to go <laughs> well, out. I don't think there are any more. So <laughs> she well, yeah, that's true. She outlived them all. She's the last. But how baller is it that they were like to destroy our enemies Let's just get a microvirus that only murders them. How cool would that be? You know, I feel like they worked backwards from this premise and found the science magic to make it happen, which is incredible. Yeah. Wow. It is very much a feat of science. Yeah. Way to go, Trelestas. (laughs) And then there's a scene in 10 Forward where everybody has all this action happening all within one room, which is kind of nice. We're seeing, you know, the sexy... um, Troy kind of wing womaning it for Riker, who finally gets to try this delicious, delectable green plant, yeah, Arthas a la Utah, which Riker always says with an accent that is not how she said it. Not at all. <laughs> Arthas a la Utah. It's like, what? Okay. She's like, it's not Spanish. It's yeah. Utah. <laughs> or whatever no, it's, that it's is. Utah. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow it worked because she gets the signals and... They're pretty um, loud signals. <laughs> after, then gets sent to Riker's quarters by her, I mean, um, her sovereign, as right. it were. And it brings up this bigger question of what is the relationship between the sovereign and all of her subjects? Are they all sort of servants to their sovereign? She says in 10 Forward that she is not a slave. She mm-hmm. could leave anytime she wants, but like she can't leave because. Her loyalty to her clan gives her loyalty to her sovereign in this 
complex, convoluted yeah. mind I feel, fuck. I feel like it's a duty thing, not unlike you know, military <laughs> service in some way, whereas they, whereas they can like they could leave, but it's all it's like considered dishonorable to just like leave in their culture, maybe. Not only that, with Utah specifically, she has another layer of she has this dark mission that she has to complete. And so she's trapped in the servitude of the sovereign to complete Mm -hmm. that mission. Right. That's what she wasn't saying. Yeah. Well, yeah. But like also like what's her cover of just being able to what what is she supposed to I love tasting food. (laughs) Right. I, I love also, the for opportunity all that food to maybe get poisoned. And drinking and like no one else got poisoned. I was kind of expecting yeah. Brol to get poisoned at some point. Like I yeah. was, and that, when we find out later that he's not the right clan member or whatever. But like I was like, there's so many food tasting references here, and no one dies by that. Mm. No, but here's the thing: the food taster herself is the poison. Yeah. yeah. So there's the irony, and yeah. that's why it wasn't an unfired Chekhov's gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're Good right. Good call. Oh, should we talk about Brol? Yeah, and we talked a little about Brol and Wesley, but Brol is just, oh. he also steals a drink from a bar patron. What yeah. a bastard. He takes I do, what he needs. I love the acting from the background actor because you can see him mouth to the patron that he stole from. He's like, I'm going to get you another one. Don't worry. And he turns around to replicate another one. Again, like, <laughs> that's a that's a background either actor or probably extra, featured mm-hmm. extra, who didn't get a line, right? right. So I still has to like mouth something i appreciate it <laughs> yeah me too. Uh, the other thing i will say is that when brawl finally gets onto the bridge of the enterprise and is like allowed on there's a fun scene with Worf and like where he can and can't go but we see him sort of sticking it to wesley right away of like a kid on the bridge of a ship and then we see picard sticking up for the kid on the bridge which i thought was a cool little circle moment For the man who doesn't like children. Mm -hmm. Indeed, it was. And Wesley's a special case because he immediately proves his purpose in a cool little thing where it was like, okay, the hidden leader of the gatherers is right here. And Wesley's all like, you want me to go directly into the middle of an asteroid field? (laughs) And he says, what, you scared? You can't do it, kid? No, but we could just like backdoor. We could just go on the backdoor. (laughs) So many dimensions. fine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, it does a couple of things, too. Also, the 10 forward scene where he's mm. talking to Wesley about his math homework and how his kid isn't very good at math. Yeah. It, both of these scenes are actually, to the whole plot, kind of not relevant. But right. what they do, and which I love that they're included, is that they give life to both Wesley and this this Brol, Brol yeah. right? Because Brol is really just a process for us to get to the leader of their clan. So, like... He's a real brawl, though. I'm yeah, sorry. He's a real brawl. Like, he's such everything. a brawl. We're giving him depth by like having him have these interactions, and I, I appreciated that they're going there and actually taking time to do that as opposed to just hitting every plot point every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good point because the leader, when we do meet him, Chorgon, he doesn't get that screen time to be no. humanized or, you know, um, whatever their species is called. Mm. Um and wait, but we just need to talk about how Brol is the perfect name to encompass what he is. It's yep. like a dull bro. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. You're such a bro. <laughs> it's my yeah. new I thought uh, the, slam. The, the uh, extra, not extras, but the um, the special guest players were great in the acting on both mm-hmm. sides. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Utah is hard to compare. I mean, mm. her performance was so honest, and I was hanging on every word when she goes to Riker's quarters Mm -hmm. and they have this intimate moment where she says I'm here you can have your way with me I'm all about it let me please you and he's like you want to please me or you were ordered to please me because we just had this talk about how I'm not into servant stuff 
That's like maybe your role <laughs> play thing. Service. Yeah, that's but the, well, I'm not want, into it. Yeah, I, I want to give you pleasure. We need to be equals. And she's like, ooh, problem for me. I seek no pleasure. I just want to murder. Yeah. So <laughs> not going to happen. And there was this moment where maybe it's a little like outdated that he grabs her when she tries to leave. Uh, but he's just too, trying to embrace her. He's already said, yeah. like, I'm not going to take you without your permission. Right, yeah. um, so I didn't mind that like physical kind of forcing himself. But it was like a hug. It was a gesture of caring and like tender kind of fatherliness or brotherliness that mm. I thought was really nice. It's the thing, I didn't see it as, as familial so much as romantic because to me it looked like, because I, I see what you saw, Becca, and like to me it's it's Riker slash Jonathan Frakes kind of trying to evoke the 60s era Captain Kirk a little bit and yeah. like maybe even the bravado of that old style of acting, a little bit of being mm. that. That guy who can take the the weeping maiden, which she's not that. She's much stronger than that, right? But like that's kind of what it visually looks like. And I was like, right, all right. So he's 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 keeping that, but we're letting him get away with it because he did the absolute right thing by like saying, hey, I want an equal part in this. I want us to be equals in this relationship, not for you to be a lesser than me by any means. Right. I guess it was romantic, but just not sexual. Yeah, yeah. That's what. Yeah, it was caring. It was. It was. Yeah. It was. It was Mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. Jonathan Frakes gave uh, me the feels. Right? I feel like this was sort of revisiting those tropes of that we see in 60s Trek, um, but done in like a 90s version with mm-hmm. consciousness of trying to be like, we need to be equals and this is how you can communicate. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And it just goes to show when you have two very impressive actors mm. having an intimate scene like that, it just escalates. It takes it somewhere magical when they're just... Um, able to get something back from one another in that way mm-hmm. yeah the opposite of chore gone <laughs> uh, yeah uh. yeah so we get we finally get a hold of the the scavenger leader after he fires on our ship repeatedly without talking to us so we just lower his shield we just defeat his shields and say we'll wait for his phone call yeah and uh he does eventually call and so instantly we, we, yeah <laughs> we uh we get to meet him down on his ship actually which is an interesting choice is like we're beaming over well okay that's an interesting mm. level of trust but i see what he did because yeah. he let him be comfortable in his own environment so he showed mm-hmm. the first uh, willingness to uh, be vulnerable right picard master negotiator picard <laughs> and going along the tactics of showing rather than telling if you've been following along with next generation you know that there are these negotiating tactics so you can see them in play here and put these pieces together it's not you're not playing to an audience that doesn't know about negotiating yeah they're kind of establishing their own canon for like the the starfleet rulebook as well yeah which I really like mm-hmm. um so negotiations actually they start off rocky but they're a good example of how negotiations kind of could go well like they're 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 talking mm-hmm. to each other about what they truly want and the sovereign is remarkably like look i'm trying to work this out and offering them as much as they can and so it actually starts to progress in a real way very quickly. And I thought that was a good because Picard also steps in and says, hey, yeah. now, well, you heard they're given a little ground here. Yeah. Can we acknowledge? Yeah, that he's trying. And she's like, yes. He's OK, trying. well, there's there's levels of autonomy. We can mm-hmm. explore that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, if you come back to the planet, you will belong to me is the vibe <laughs> I'm getting. I mean, originally, politically, I thought I aligned with uh, Murtug. Mer- uh, Maruk, Maruk. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like I get where these gatherers are coming from. Everyone on the planet of Akamar seems to belong to her mm. and have to pledge fealty to her in a way that uh, doesn't seem fair. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how much they establish of like what's going on on their side of it, but it's like there's these imperfect parts of all of these civilizations, right? And so it's like, if you want to merge them, you're going to have to make concessions in both ways. And yeah, whoever wants to make those concessions can, but they have to live under that new lifestyle. One other thing that I appreciated about this version of negotiations is that we didn't get like a concrete like reason that the that one was reaching out to the other. Like I feel like in previous seasons we would have gotten, oh, the population is dying and we need you to repopulate or, you know, like this. We don't have this precious mineral that's only you have or whatever. You know what I mean? There wasn't a concrete reason. This was purely out of we need to come together as civilizations for that reason. Well, kind of it was established that uh, you're making us look bad because That's the rest true. of the Federation is really frowning upon the fact that their people are being murdered and their ships are being raided. Mm-hmm. But but you're right in that there wasn't really much motivation for Maruk to take them back. Yeah, the impetus for us being there was because the Federation outpost was raided. But you're, you're right, Xander, is that like we didn't have to go the extra mile to make this work, but here we are. The extra yeah. light year? I don't know. Yeah. The extra light year. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get to the meat of this is where, you know, we do some hardcore uh, investigation uh, on mm-hmm. the computer and do some enhancement. And we find that, you know, Crusher discovers, OK, there's a microvirus. It only targets these people. And I went to the records and found out one other person has died of this. And it's this person's relative. They're in the same mm-hmm. clan. They reverse. Oh, oh, they reverse <laughs> engineer. uh what happened by finding this photograph of a trial of a previous member of that same clan. Do I have this mm-hmm. right? Yep. And find out that Utah was in the background. Bum, bum, bum. Allegedly. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah. It definitely felt like one of those moments they were waiting to like do a big reveal, but like, it's not enough of a mystery to really feel like, aha. It's just like, yeah. Oh, that that's how they get her. <laughs> oh. There are. And yeah. then, so this happens as Picard's already negotiating on the other ship, and Riker just crashes the party. Be and he's bash. like, hold up, phaser you. I'm going <laughs> to... Randomly phaser somebody that works on this ship. Yeah. Seemingly now, every for time no I reason. play Star Trek Adventures, I want to start every away team with phasering at least one person and then yeah. continue with the mission. Execute the beaming yeah. bash. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, my first is here for a reason... Right? Right? right. Phasered that guy crazy? for a purpose. Yeah. Right, Riker? But I, I also took this as like he got he took the shot before the security guard could shoot him for barging in. So yeah, it was I the, think that's the Riker right shot first. Yeah, and he was just phasing to stun. Yeah, at that point. <sighs> yeah. This is I do this this rev this like resolution really got to me. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? I did not like how this resolved. So for those of you that somehow didn't watch it, like uh, Utah is about to um, go give Brandy to, um, what's his name? Chorgon. 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 Right. I always want to call him Chogon. He's, he's not a, a brawl. <laughs> Chorgon. Brawl. She's about to go give. Well, he is a brawl. Right. But his name is not brawl. <laughs> He's a brilliant spirit. Brawl. Yeah. She's about to go give uh, some brandy to him, and Riker stops her because he knows that if she touches his skin, he'll have a, a heart attack. Yeah. And points a phaser at her and tries to talk her off the ledge. And she insists mm-hmm. that she can't. And she reveals who she is that she's a, is it Telestarian or what's their name? Tra- Tralesta. 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 It sounds like a sleep aid. 
<laughs> yeah, it does sound after she says her name, she should give us a bunch of side effects that might yeah. be true. Um, side effects may include a heart, heart, attack. Attack. heart attacks out of nowhere. Yeah. Well played, Xander. And so his negotiating, ta- well, I mean, after he fails to reason with her and she lunges okay. for her. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. And- this is where I start to to overwork the justifications in my head. Is that, <laughs> that Riker, I can see this happening to Xander as he watches too. He's like, okay, this uh, is okay because of this. This is okay right? because of this. And he was like, okay, I'm trying it on the stun setting, which I definitely know this phaser has. And the stun setting is ineffective based, based on her genetic makeup or her determination or whatever is keeping her going. It's not working. And the stun yeah. is not an option at all all and there are no hypo sprays that could fix it or negotiation tactics or anything that could ever come to (laughs) tell her (laughs) he tried he he said don't do this i will stop you and she was like must with my dying breath kill this dude and so she was going to continue to do that i mean she can't it seems like whatever microvirus is already in her dna or on her skin it's not like she's dipping her hand in a bowl of it every morning. She just has it. Right. And so she's always a threat to this dude. Yeah. But, like, the full disintegration is Yeah. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What if you missed a little bit? What oh, if, well, like, a little backspray got on Picard, who was back behind her? That's not really my concern. But, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, I get it. But she yeah. knew... This is it. This is like, I will die to do this. And she kept doing it. Even, the, I mean, he didn't explicitly say, I'm turning it up now. Right, right. <laughs> well, the other justification that I had going on is they had that intimate scene and he was able to see she's not able to feel passion or anything moving forward except for the sense of duty. So there were, there, that was the drastic measure that would need to be taken. But. Yeah, that I suppose that justifies it. It still feels so heavy-handed. It's like we, so... we have so few people, we have so few resolutions with a lot of these villains where they tend to just be like locked up or like put away. Like I don't know, like mm. uh not that I necessarily need to see this character again or anything like that, but I right. I felt for her a little bit even though she was an assassin. She you see why she did it. I don't agree with what she's doing, but like there's some identification with her and you do feel sad for her family being wiped out by another clan. Yeah. Um, I do have to, I'm rewatching the scene and he says, Utah, don't do this. And then she takes on her third approach, a big backswing, a la a, uh, like an Acme uh, <laughs> character. Like a 1920s like a real actress. Wiley Coyote. Yeah. yeah. Reels back and then jolts forward to give that momentum to really phase her her out of existence (laughs) yeah it's pretty great it's a very i'm running now and my feet move so there's also this weird whole aspect with like picard in the background of that shot just calmly watching while everything happens so let me give a little context for that because oh uh, okay the the producers also noticed it too so uh Let's see. No, wait. Uh, there's just one scene that they cut to, and it's Picard with a thumbs down, <laughs> looking disapprovingly. <laughs> so, or just finishing, like, so this is why you interrupted us? Yeah. Uh, good reason, number one. <laughs> uh, the director, Timothy Bond, uh, explained why Picard seemingly has no reaction to Riker killing Utah. Regarding Picard, I'm afraid there is a reason for his lack of reactions, which is the opticals. He couldn't move for that one period while she gets vaporized for special oh, effects. In yeah. retrospect, it was a mistake of mine. I just had this idea that it would be really neat when she's 
vaporized, Picard was there in the shot. That meant pulling sev- uh, putting several layers of elements into the shot. In order for it to work par- perfectly, Picard had to stay still. That's mm. not a good reason. When I saw it, I actually regretted the decision, and by then the ship had sailed. Believe me, Patrick noticed it too. He even <laughs> asked, quote, I'm supposed to sit here and do nothing? The other problem <laughs> is, what could he do? We knew Riker right. had to kill the girl, and we didn't want Picard shot by the phaser. In retrospect, what I should have done is what you usually do, don't have him in the shot. If he's not, then the audience doesn't think, why doesn't Picard react? We had mm. a lot, lot of rationales at the time, but we were wrong. Overall, though, I'm very proud of the episode. Yeah. Interesting. I'm not bothered by it because my thought was he's there to negotiate, so he has to let the other two parties. If he shows any favor mm-hmm. one side or the other, then he's favoring a party, and he has to be neutral in yeah. this situation. Mm-hmm. No, I could see that. But there's a gun. There's a phaser pointed in his direction, and some like someone who's been in the room for the past hours with him just got blown out of existence. Totally. <laughs> totally evaporated. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, so you felt okay about it, Becca. You're like, yeah, this is the way it goes. Look, as someone who can deeply relate to Yuta as a character and as someone I would want to play, mm. I understand her need to go out with a bang. She chose this. It was kind of a kamikaze. It was 100% yeah. a kamikaze move. Totally. And so this is this is her great exit story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All I'm saying is she wanted to go yeah. out with a bang, mm-hmm. and she did. Uh, and then the end scene where we see... Um, Riker in 10 forward and Picard mentions we're going to have an extended shortly for folks if you want that. And Riker responds with, I'll let the crew know. Yeah. But we can see he's very bothered by that, which I'm glad they had that end cap scene because we yes. want to know that like Riker was close to connecting with her and it didn't work out. Not only did it not work out, he killed her. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> really hard on a relationship. Yeah. Remind me never to yeah. break up with you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work out. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, but no, I, I do like that they show that because, um, again, in contrast to like the 60s macho bravado, this is, even though it's behind a thinly veiled like uh, dialogue, it, the uh, assumption is that Riker is going to take some time off and he's really feeling these feelings and remorse for what's been done, which was great and the only like saving thing for what happened. Yeah. Great episode, though. I enjoyed yeah. it very much. Indeed. It moved quickly. Well, next week, we've got another one that's great. It's The Defector. A Romulan defector requests asylum aboard the Enterprise after claiming to possess vital information about an imminent Romulan invasion. And we always trust Romulans, right? Always trust Romulans. (laughs) Okay, spoilers. Now I know not to trust this Romulan. Or do you? I do, implicitly. I love their eyebrows. (laughs) Well, when you see a picture of this Romulan from 50 years ago at a peace summit, you'll learn to accept him. Mm -hmm. And never age. (laughs) Okay, never age. On three. Never Never age. age. No one counted. On three. (laughs) 